Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Hey. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. Hey. Let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. So now, right away, with no further delay. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, the podcast about who you should follow online. Every week, I talk to creative people about who they follow and why. This is a guided tour to the best people on the internet, led by your favorite writers, podcasters, comedians, and more. If this is your first episode of the show, take a moment now and please follow or subscribe in your podcast app. Today on the show is Rusty Foster, who writes the email newsletter Today in Tabs. Every Monday through Thursday, he rounds up links to everything great and terrible and weird happening on the internet, in the media, and the world. You can find Rusty on Twitter at FKA underscore tabs. Rusty, welcome to Follow Friday. Hey, thanks for having me. So glad to have you here. Today in Tabs is one of my absolute favorite newsletters, and the name of it refers, I assume, to all the tabs that you have opened uh, in, in your browser at the same time. So you are... Sifting through all this, you're bringing us the best stuff, you're adding your own commentary. But can you talk a bit about like what your process is for making the newsletter? Like, How do you get all those tabs in the first place, and how do you decide what makes the cut, like what's worth newslettering about? The origin of the name is actually, it's tabs like browser tabs, but in sort of circa 2013 media Twitter, there was a there was a brief heyday where tabs was like a slang term for sort of hate reads, like oh, really? articles that you were like, oh, my tabs. Yeah. <laughs> that is sort of passed into history and very, like few people remember it. I had point, no idea. But tabs still works as like browser tabs. And it's a little, at the time I kept struggling with the like, the reputation that tabs was sort of like a roundup of hate reads, mm. which is not really. There's There'll be stuff that I didn't like but most of it is stuff I did like. So right. basically what I do is I have a, I have a Chrome bookmarks folder called tabs. And when I read something on my phone or on my laptop, I bookmark it. Basically everything that I read, I bookmark at this point because it's, <laughs> it's almost always like there've been too many times where I've remembered something that I thought at the time wasn't going to fit. And then I go to write and it, it creeps in and it would be perfect. And then I'm like, where did I read that? Why didn't I bookmark it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do the sort of thing that, that you do when you have a job where you don't have enough work to do and uh, you spend a lot of time like procrastinating on Twitter. I do that like professionally. So I, I do, I read stuff on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I keep track of the good tweets and I kind of keep an eye on what people are talking about in my little corner of Twitter. And then I read articles and I bookmark them. So generally by the time, by about one o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday, I'll have a folder with 40 or 50 things in it, probably. Yeah. Half of it might be articles. The other half is like good tweets that were funny or mm-hmm. possible songs that I might include. All right, because you have a song in every every edition of the newsletter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I essentially sit down and just start sifting through that and thinking about like what themes there are. Uh, I mean, it's improv every day, essentially. It's just like uh, something always emerges. So I sit down and I force myself to write and whatever I write is what I send. I like that. I like the method. Just see what happens. Yes, and to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a variety show, honestly. Mm. It's like um, it's like a late night show. So there'll be a little monologue up front where I write about something I have more to say about than the rest of them, and then some good tweets, and then some like quick links that I just just like a link and a joke type thing. Uh, and then at the end, there's a musical guest, and then there's a little sign off. <laughs> oh my gosh! Never thought about it that way. That's great. Yeah, I arrived at that format 
just by doing it a bunch of times and then realizing over time that that's what I was doing. And so like, now I'm aware that that's what I'm doing, but it's because it's a format that works. I mean, that's why, that's why variety shows work. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people on Twitter who complain about Twitter, who act as if it's their job to be on Twitter. And I think you are one of the few people who would be justified if you were just like, <laughs> it is actually your job to be on Twitter, to, to be spending all the, all your time scrolling there. But <laughs> Honestly, that was one of the things that worried me most about bringing it back. Mm-hmm. I did it 2013 to early 2016 and then took 2016 through 2020 off right? and then brought it back at the beginning of 2021. So one of the things I really worried about the most was like, do I want to commit to spending all my days on Twitter again? And so I've been kind of consciously experimenting with like not doing that or doing that a little less. Um, yeah. And it's actually worked fine. I don't spend as much time on Twitter anymore as as I would have expected or as you might think. Huh. We've got a good Discord. The, the Discord really helps because Tab's readers essentially feed me half of the links that I, that I read at this point. Right. And a couple other Discords and some friend chats. And, you know, I do I do spend time on Twitter, but it's not the sole source. So you, so you have channels in the Discord server for your readers where people know the sort of stories that you are interested in. And so they are, when they come across them in their own browsing, they, they're sending them to you. So that makes it a little bit easier to find yeah. things that, that match that tone. Yeah. It's a virtuous circle because the, you know, my readers are obviously interested in the kind of stories that I'm interested in because that's why they're, you know, the, the, the kind of paying readers who would, you know, sign onto the Discord and chat and stuff. Right, exactly. And it's funny because it's it's like 50-50 when people post stuff, whether I've already read it and bookmarked it or whether I'm getting it from the Discord the first time. And like I by the end of the day, I've always forgotten which it is. So <laughs> it just confirms to me that I'm getting the stuff that people are seeing and thinking about. Well, that's good. I'm glad you were giving yourself a little break from social media. But now I do want to turn your attention to Twitter and some other places. We are going to talk about who you follow online. Listeners, you can follow along with us today. Every person Rusty recommends will be linked in the show notes and in the transcript at followfridaypodcast.com slash todayintabs. It's Final Friday! Rusty, before the show, I gave you a list of categories, and I asked you to tell me about some people you follow who fit in those categories. Your first pick is in the category, someone who's an expert in a very specific niche you love, and you said Molly White. She's on Twitter at molly0xfff. That's M-O-L-L-Y, the number zero, X, and then three Fs, which I think is an old web design joke. Molly is the creator of a website called Web3 is Going Just Great, which you can find at web3isgoinggreat.com. And she was just recently profiled by the Washington Post, which described her as the cryptocurrency world's biggest critic. So could you explain a little bit about what Molly does, why she's great? She's a programmer and a, and a kind of a techie, and I like vibe with her in that way. And she, for a while, spent time sort of investigating the alt-right and like the um, kind of right-wing extremists. She's also been involved with Wikipedia for a long time. But recently, she started Web3 is Going Great. It's a chronicle of kind of Web3 and NFT and like crypto industry like disasters. Mm-hmm. She started at the perfect time. It's the perfect concept for this, like because I like I write about this stuff in tabs a lot, but I skip a lot of it because there's just so many. So many disasters. So many. Like every day there's three crypto disasters. For a while, there was like a month where there was crypto and tabs every single day. And I just kind of had to dial it back because I was like, this is not a crypto newsletter. (laughs) And at some point, the stories all start to sound the same. Where it's like, there was a new NFT launch and a bunch of people put in money and then they disappeared with all the money. Mm -hmm. Classic rug pull. There's a name for it in the industry. There's actually a name for that. It's so common. 
like a cute name where everybody's like, ah, oh, ha, ha, rugged. You got me. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So what Molly did was start a project that was really just like, it's a, it's a blog that chronicles this stuff in the sort of the, just the briefest, shortest way that you can. It's a, it's a really well designed. It's a really well like put together project. I appreciate good web design. And as far as I know, like it's, she's writing this all by hand, basically it's just HTML. Yeah. So how did you start following her? Like, do you remember what your introduction to either her or to Web3 is going great? Like where you first heard about her? Yes, it was. It was Crypto Island, the Crypto Island project, which is where like a lot of people, I think she started Web3 is going great before that, but I'm not positive. But that is where sort of everybody heard about it. Okay. Yeah. You got to explain it. I've, I've, I've seen so many crypto scams kind of pass across my feed. <laughs> I have forgotten what what was the deal with Crypto Island? Was this like people trying to start? This was a it was a good one. It was a it was like a standout. Okay. really. Like it was one that if you if you look into one crypto scam, it was a good. Okay. One. It wasn't even necessarily a scam. Honestly, it was just a sort of misbegotten idea. The concept was you could buy NFTs, and the NFTs represented land on an actual island. Sure. Um, they were going to build out this island. It was going to be like a resort island for crypto dudes. Um, <laughs> they raised a bunch of money, and they spent it all on an animated video, which they released. With great excitement. And the video was absolutely bonkers. <laughs> like, it was the most ridiculous thing I think that crypto has produced almost like so far. Oh my gosh. To the moon! To the room! To the room, not the moon! Entering the blockchain hills. Hey, what's that? The Vladimir Club, Crypto Lander's members only club. We are preparing everything for tonight. We are throwing the most epic crypto party ever. I wonder who your plus one is going to be. <laughs> Everybody made fun of it. Tabs made fun of it, certainly, but like a lot of people were, were joking around with this video. It was it was almost unwatchable, <laughs> but if you really like pushed on through it, there was like there were parody songs. It was like every single line of dialogue included three Bitcoin references. <laughs> It was wild. So Molly White made fun of it like everybody else, but she also dug into like the company behind it. Yeah. She tried to find like, what is this island? Like, does it exist? Do they own it? Is it a real thing at all? So she she figured out a lot of stuff about the people who are running this and their backgrounds were shady. Um, the island they were going to buy, they had not bought. Naturally. There didn't seem to be very much likelihood that it was ever going to happen. Like it, it was a real shaky premise to begin with. And then somebody, the the big like, the kind of big the big blow up of this was somebody tweeted to the Crypto Island's Twitter. They said, "What's the age of consent going to be uh, on Crypto Island?" Oh no! And the re the reply, yeah, because this is like libertarian kryptonite, right? right? If you want to blow up a libertarian project, <laughs> you just ask them about age of consent, and it immediately collapses. <laughs> uh, their reply was really something really shady, like "Grown up in their mind is good enough for us." Winky face or something. Yikes. It was really skeezy. <laughs> That was not Molly White, but she, I think, found that little exchange and kind of publicized it. Um, wow. And that was what kind of rocketed her to be like crypto enemy number one. So from the, I want to read something from this Washington Post article about her. It really lays out in stark terms the fact that there's all these crypto projects that, as you mentioned, the, the rug gets pulled, they otherwise wind up being some sort of degree of shady, and... What I liked about this article is it makes it clear that it's not just like a bunch of rich nerds getting scammed. Molly says in the article, quote, people are putting in money that they can't afford to lose. They thought this might be their ticket out of poverty or they can finally stop working that minimum wage job and then all their savings are gone. Yeah. What Molly's really done is chronicled the era of kind of crypto, the Ponzi scheme, like yeah. crypto, the pyramid scheme. Whereas before that, crypto is more associated with uh, different crimes. It's always crimes, but crypto <laughs> is more associated with different crimes like ransomware sure 
that was kind of the 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 era before the Molly White uh, Web three is going great era was the ransomware era for crypto. Hackers would take over some computer and say, "We won't unlock this unless you send us all these Bitcoin or whatever it is." Yeah, yeah. It was a service industry at that point. Like there were groups that ran ransomware as a service, just uh, you know, web services, huh. and you could sign up and make an account and like, pick your target and give them access to the target, and then they would do all the work, and you would you would split the split the bitcoins. Yeah. NFT started getting popular. That kind of became the current era of of Web three, where it was like, oh, it's this, it's a casino where everybody's going to get rich. Mm-hmm. As long as more people keep buying in, then everybody who's already bought in is going to get more rich. Yep. And there's a, I mean, there's a well understood financial industry name for that structure. Yep. <laughs> it's a pyramid scheme. I've really, in good faith, I have tried to give Web3 and crypto the benefit of the doubt multiple times because there's there's aspects of it where it's like, oh, okay, the idea that an artist might get paid every time their work is sold, right? There, there's there's some interesting ideas around there, but I, I'm, as you can hear from, from how I'm describing it, I am very deeply skeptical slash cynical about the state of it now. Do you think there's a version of Web3 that's worth saving or some aspect of this that we should, some positive thing that we should t- take out of this? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, no, I've been, I've been interested in crypto since like 2011 or 2012. Yeah. You know, I've read the Bitcoin white paper and stuff. Like I've made an effort to, like I understand how the technology works to at least some degree. Yeah. And I keep waiting. I mean, it's been years. It's been a decade. And I keep waiting for someone to come up with a use where it's like, oh, this is a good use that you need crypto for and couldn't be done without crypto and isn't crime. Right. And like, there hasn't been one. Still waiting. So at one point, like, why do you like, why keep waiting? Yeah. Crypto is really good at demonstrating a lot of uh, energy and desire for things to exist. Mm. You know, people get involved because for like a variety of reasons and reasons that are that makes sense. Like they are interested in community or they think that artists should make money. These are all great, but crypto hasn't actually solved any of these problems. Right. And the solutions, like to the extent that crypto is used in solutions, it's never necessary. Like it would always be easier to do it with just a database. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps happening. So at this point, I've pretty much given up. Like I'll be surprised if anybody comes up with a reason to, to use it that isn't fundamentally just crime. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, we can all uh, follow Molly White, uh, the creator of Web3 is Going Just Great. Uh, once again, the name of the website is web3isgoinggreat.com. It's Final Friday. Rusty, let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone super talented who is still under the radar, and you said Petey, who is on TikTok at PDUSA and on Instagram at Petey underscore USA. And Petey is spelled P-E-T-E-Y. Petey is a musician, originally from the Midwest, now living in Los Angeles. He released his first full-length album last year called Lean Into Life. But first, you specifically called out his TikTok. So can you talk about what he does there that you love? Yeah, I mean, I came to him via music, actually, really? first. Yeah, somebody somebody posted one of his songs, Don't Tell the Boys, in the, in the Tabs Discord in our music channel. And I loved it. I listened to it once, and I loved it. It really stuck in my head, and I listened to it a bunch more times. And I put it in the newsletter, and a, a lot of people wrote, about that one actually that that one was like a song they listened to repeatedly after that it's a great song it's a great album it's the whole album's amazing yeah. via that somebody tipped me off that he was on tiktok so i didn't know he was on tiktok and i found him on tiktok and honestly like i don't really use tiktok particularly like tiktok's the thing i do when i have like an hour on a saturday morning where i just don't have anything else to do like i'll look at tiktok and it's never a good idea honestly <laughs> But so PD is like basically the only person that I follow on TikTok. So when, when they like, they email me every time he posts a new TikTok and I go and look at it. And that's kind of how I use TikTok. 
which is like the most Gen Xer description of how I use TikTok. TikTok is like, should we turn off this emo notification feature? No, we have one user left. His name is Rusty. They're like, no, this is this is the only way we get him in. Um, <laughs> it's even a TikTok genre that I generally hate. It's the little like sort of one person talking to themselves skit, which like a lot of people do on TikTok and the fact that PD does them so well makes it clear that a lot of people do them really badly on TikTok. <laughs> so he just does these little skits where he's like a goofy dude mm-hmm. and he's kind of like a recognizable like type of guy. Uh, he's got like a sort of a Jesus beard and kind of long hair and he's like kind of stoner vibe and he'll play three or four or five different versions of himself in different shirts and just do a really goofy little skit about like whatever. What gets me is the writing is so good. Like his writing is amazing. Yeah. The delivery is great and the writing is great. And the editing is great. I think he's got a, he has a, like a housemate or somebody who helps him with the editing and the filming. They're just goofy and funny and clever. And that's, I feel like the best you can hope for from, from TikTok. Yeah. And I enjoy them. The the delivery is kind of like this, I don't know if droll is the right word, but it's rapid fire, deadpan, absurdist. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with, with, with the right words to pin down his delivery, but it is, it does feel different from most of your like sketch comedians who you who run into on TikTok. Yeah. The timing is very good, which yeah. is hard to get right. And a lot of the sort of one person sketches on TikTok don't get it right. Mm-hmm. And he'll just like, he'll always do stuff. Like every time he swears, there'll be a bleep, but the bleep is always mistimed. <laughs> so the swear is perfectly audible. And then the bleep <laughs> happens like slightly afterwards. And that's just every time. And like nobody is never, it's just a joke that happens every single time on his channel. It's funny. And there's like, um, you know, the, there's one where they're looking at a chandelier and it kept going, there's a bear in the chandelier. The bear looks scared in the chandelier. It's like, <laughs> it's impossible to describe. What's going on? Bear chandelier. Oh dear. No, no, it's a bear chandelier. Holy shit, bear chandelier? Scared bear. Terrified bears, my God, look at those scared bears. How'd they get there? Where? The bears in the chandelier. Oh, these are fake bears. Oh yeah, those bears are whittled from wood. Wow. Whittled from wood, oh my god, haunted AF. Wood is historically one of the most ancient things on this planet. Yeah, a lot of time to get possessed by some sort of demonic ghost. There's one that I watched where he's trying to work out all of his psychological issues by throwing things with pinpoint accuracy. (laughs) He's just throwing stuff at the roof and bouncing into a box and just hoping it'll fix him. It's absurd and I'm... It's deeply engrossing, though. I can see why he's he's your one TikTok follow. Yeah, I hope somebody writes like an essay about PD's TikToks at some point because you really could dig into them and talk about like what is this actually about. And there's there is more than it seems like there is there. Like that that one is about like what if you have one incredible talent but it's fundamentally useless? Like how do you deal with that? (laughs) You know, can that fix your life? Like no, that can't fix your life. The movie about the guy who walked across the twin towers on the um. On the, on the high wire? Yeah. I feel like that TikTok that you just said is an extremely short version of that whole movie. Yep. Like, what if you have one sort of useless, amazing talent and you can't make it put your life together in any way that makes sense? Exactly. He winds, he winds up having this crisis where it's like, I have no marketable skills, but I can do this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, before we go to the break, let's hear a bit of one of Petey's songs. This is the song that you were talking about earlier. It's called Don't Tell the Boys. In our hearts, come on now. But there ain't no other 
choice, don't tell the boy. That was Petey, who is on TikTok at PetyUSA and on Instagram at Petey underscore USA. We are going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back in a minute with Rusty Foster, the writer of the email newsletter Today in Tabs. I want to tell you about another podcast I love, and I think you're going to love it too. Upworthy Weekly, Upworthy's first podcast, is a lighthearted look at some of their most popular and engaging stories. Delivered to your podcast feed every Saturday, it's the perfect way to shake off the Monday to Friday news cycle with a refreshing dose of good news. Join Todd Perry, one of Upworthy's most prolific writers, and Allison Rosen, a podcaster, writer, and TV personality best known for the show Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, as they go through the week's best stories about humanity. Subscribe to Upworthy Weekly wherever you get your podcasts. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Rusty, let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone who has stopped posting but needs to come back, and you said Paul Ford, who is on Twitter at FTrain. You said in your email to me that Paul hasn't stopped posting exactly, but he used to be a lot more active online. So first, could you explain, you know, what does Paul do? Paul is a writer and a technologist. God, he's been a blogger forever. The first thing that I ever read that Paul wrote was a story called Robot Exclusion Protocol. And I have it right at the tip of my tongue because I go back and read it every couple of years. What's that about? It's a little short story that he wrote in his blog from the point of view of a person who discovers a Google bot indexing their like bathroom trash can. <laughs> and it's like a physical, it's a physical Google bot that's like gotten into their apartment <laughs> and is like indexed, like going through their garbage. <laughs> Being like, I'm helpful. I'm really helpful. I'm helping you. I'm indexing so that you'll know we're going to increase knowledge. And that was, God, that was early 2000s at the very latest. It was probably late 90s. So it was an extremely prophetic little story that has largely come true, unfortunately. Um, and also it was just funny and it was like, it was good writing. Uh, I've been a fan of Paul ever since then. Um, he's blogged at F Train for, you know, two decades plus, probably 25 years at this point. Um, F Train is the name of his blog? Yeah. I'm not sure how often he actually still posts there anymore, but probably some. He does a column for Wired. He wrote a few years ago, he wrote an entire uh, issue of Business Week magazine about, it's called What is Code? Oh, I, I saw that. Yeah, I didn't realize that was him. They asked him to like explain what is code. And it was going to be just a story and it just kept getting longer and longer and longer. And eventually they gave him an entire, an entire print issue. And that was the whole, that was the whole thing. Oh, wow. And it was great. It's a, it's still like, it's an amazing read. It's well worth reading. Um, and his, he's, you know, another, another one, he's just such a good writer. He's such a good writer. Like you can read an entire, it'll take you a little while, but you can read an entire issue of Physics Week and be like, oh, that was really worth it. More recently, he has been running a uh, digital consultancy called um, Postlight. Yes. Um, she co-founded with another guy. And also something called a board. I think maybe a spinoff product of Postlight based on what I saw. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of what he's doing just now. Like, so that kind of spun off of Postlight. Him and his co-founder stepped down as the CEO, co-CEOs of Postlight yeah. maybe a year ago. And then just like last week, they announced that Postlight was being bought by NTT Data, which is, and I like, I was like, I've never heard of NTT Data. So. NTT is Nippon Telephone and Telegraph. So oh. it was like the Japanese phone company. Got it. It's like Japanese IBM, basically. Huh. And NTT Data specifically is like a technology consultancy that started as uh, Ross Perot's company, which like, is how Ross Perot got rich. 
that got bought by Dell Systems, like Dell's software consultancy. And then the, that that in turn got bought by NTT, and now it's NTT Data. And so they have just bought Postlight, but they, they buy a lot of consultancies. I see, I see. And I have not had a chance to talk to Paul and get the backstory on any of that, and I wouldn't probably be allowed to share it here anyway, but I am <laughs> curious. <laughs> it's a real big fish and a real little fish. I know, right? situation. Yeah. So, so what are the sorts of things that you said, you said that he's not posting as much or he's not showing up as much on social media as he used to. Like, what are the sort of things he used to post that, that you miss seeing from him? Oh, Paul used to just be on Twitter a lot, kind of back when it was more fun to be on Twitter, honestly. Yeah. And this is like, I don't, I'm glad for him that he's posting less because I think it's, uh, you like, you always know somebody's getting depressed when they show up on Twitter a lot more mm. suddenly. And I want him to be happy yeah. in his life and in his choices. He was just really great at sort of making goofy jokes and like riffing. And he's a, like an amazing wordsmith and punner and a good, like a person who can write a good pun is a rare thing. There's like a lot of people think they can write a good pun, but very few people actually can write a good pun. And yeah. Paul is one of the ones who always can. Like you could sort of always tell when he was wrapping up a column for Wired because he would show up on Twitter for an hour and just like kind of blow off the extra words that were churning around in his head. <laughs> um, and it was always a good time. I just feel like I have I've seen him doing that less recently and i miss it yeah i got booked on a radio show here in maine once right when the what is code issue came out uh when the bloomberg issue came out so a local uh local maine public radio station show booked me and a couple other people to come in and talk about like what is code like talk about how do how does computer programming work mm-hmm. and i mentioned it on twitter and Paul immediately like called the station and got himself booked remotely on the same show. Oh my gosh. So he like, yeah, he horned in on my radio appearance. Um, so I didn't tell him that we were recording this cause I know he would be showing up right now <laughs> going like, Hey guys, hey, it's, it's Paul. I heard you're doing a podcast about me. And now if, I, if Paul, if you could please unmute yourself now. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you two know each other in real life. You're, you're friendly in real life. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while because he, I mean, he lives in New York and I haven't been down there for a number of years. Yeah. But there were a few years where I was going to New York like every month, basically. That's um, good. Yeah. And I saw him a bunch of times and yeah, he's a good person. Yeah. I want to go back to the thing that you were saying earlier about, you know, people who you get kind of get worried for them when they're spending too much time on Twitter. And you said something similar in your email. You said, uh, you know, not posting is a fundamentally healthy choice. Do, do you think that's true? Like, all across the internet, across social media? Or is that like a Twitter-specific ailment here? No, I mean, I think that's true. That's true for everybody to some extent. It's true when people start feeling obligated to post. They're Mm. posting because they feel like, oh, this is the thing that I do. It's kind of like, I mean, on Twitter specifically, you reach a point where like you, you start having thoughts that are actually just tweets. Yeah. And... That's kind of when you know it's like it's it's too much. It's gone too far. <laughs> um, when you have thoughts in the form of tweets, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think online for a lot of people is a little bit of a replacement for actual kind of in-person life. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've just I've been online a long time, and I've noticed that when people start posting a lot, they're like they're not having a good time for yeah. the most part. I, I just uh, just before we start taping, I retweeted a thing that the investor Ashley Mayer uh, said on Twitter, which is. My working theory is that the worst tweets happen not when someone has something to say and they just have to get it out, but rather when they feel like they have to tweet and then they find something to say. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it's the same. I mean, that's when people start getting miserable on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. That that feeling of obligation. I don't know. It feels like you can't. I've I've said this before in other venues, but like delete your accounts. Every once in a while, just delete your accounts. Yeah. 
the one that you feel is like most you, you know, delete it, clear it out, shed it like a like a carapace, like an old skin. You can always make a new one if you need to. Exactly. Start from scratch. And the more times you do that, the more you realize you can always do it. And like the people who you really love are going to be there when you come back. And the, the people that are just irritating you can just kind of go. You can just let them go. Exactly. I love that. Well, that was Paul Ford, who is on Twitter at F-Train. It's Final Friday. We have time for one more follow today. Rusty, I asked you for someone who makes the internet a better place, and you said Taylor Moore, who is on Twitter at Taylor.biz, and that's spelled T-A-Y-L-O-R-D-O-T-B-I-Z. Taylor is a comedy writer, performer, producer, and you specifically called out three podcasts that he's a part of. Rude Tales of Magic, Fun City Ventures, and Oh These, Those Stars of Space. I think I got all those titles right. <laughs> so explain what these podcasts are and what do you love about them? Yeah, I mean, I picked Taylor. I'm not, I don't know him personally, and I'm not sure how much, whether I'm uh, assigning him too much credit for these, which are all, these, so these are all um, uh, role-playing game podcasts, yes. essentially. So they're like quasi-actual play podcasts. They use a variety of different sort of game systems. It's I think one of them is is D and D. Fun City is Shadowrun, which is like a really kind of obscure gaming system. And oh, these those stars of space. I actually don't know what system they use, but it's got to be something really simple because I don't think they roll dice very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but all these are based on games that were designed to be played on a, on a tabletop. Yeah. Yeah, they're all essentially role-playing games. There's like two, there's a kind of bifurcation of the world of role-playing game podcasts. And one is like the people who are really into the role-playing mechanics and like they will never, they'll never roll a die without telling you about it. Like you will know what everybody's hit points are at all times. They like build <laughs> characters in like 18 episodes before the arc starts. So God bless them. The people who are really into like D&D and gaming and stuff, they love those. Mm-hmm. I've tried some of them and they'll the episodes are like three hours long and they just, they I don't have time to deal with that. <laughs> This is the sort of the other branch of gaming podcasts, which is it's more about the narrative. It's more about improv. The gaming is a mechanism when it's necessary to like make a decision and you don't have a reason to think like something works or something doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's a way to make a decision and to move the story forward. But the, you know, the heart of it, the emotion of it comes from the people playing the characters who are essentially doing just continuous improv whenever they record the, the shows. And I love them. These are just three three really good ones. So Root, Tale, Root Tales of Magic, Fun City, and Odie's Those Stars of Space. And they're all a little bit different, but they're all great examples of that. And Taylor is either a performer or a producer or both of all of them. So, so what's an example of something that Taylor has as a contributor to these shows? What's an example of something that he might do that elevates? Because there, there's, so, there's so many role-playing podcast right it's a very big genre i could you talk a bit about what, what taylor you know brings to brings to the mix here yeah um so like on rude tales the actual dm the person running the game on that is branson reese and taylor's role is like sort of all the npcs basically so all the non there's there's three players who mm-hmm. each have a one consistent character and taylor's everyone else and taylor's everyone else so his like in a way he has the hardest job in the whole thing because he has to improv different characters who come and go you know they a lot of times he's faced with like the party will meet someone this character is like may just exist for five minutes of the of the runtime and then never be heard from again and taylor has to like conceptualize a whole backstory and a voice and like a demeanor and like at least three personal details that can (laughs) be like 
that can be said about this person. So because he needs to give the other performers something to work with, like they can use whatever yes. character he provides, they can use that information to decide how to talk to them, fight with yeah. them, whatever it might be. And um, I mean, just sometimes he has to do that kind of rapid fire throughout the course of an episode. And a lot of some of the humor just comes from kind of listening to him struggle with that sometimes, <laughs> which is great. And like the other thing that the other thing that comes to mind, he does like mid-roll ads and you wouldn't necessarily call out an ad read as like something that really adds a whole bunch to a podcast. Mm-hmm. But he did one that was a promo for a Halloween live show. Honestly, I hope you can pull it up and insert it here because it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. It's just like he clearly packed in every single Halloween themed pun and gag that he could in this one (laughs) sort of 30 second announcement of a live show. And I can't do it justice, but like it was it had me rolling and it was an ad, literally just an ad. Hello, Boo Tales of Tragic Subdires. It's me, Probooser Taylor Morg. And would Boo look bad, Cat? It's fall most time for the best night, or should I say, fright, of the fear. And of corpse, I scream the fright begore all Hallow's Day. Gore as Boo Fright Car, it's Halloween. So despite being a white kid growing up in the suburbs, a very geeky white kid growing up in the suburbs, I actually never got into D&D or any of the role-playing games. Like, I just missed the boat on this. Were you, like, a big role-playing game fan when, when you were growing up or, or even as an adult? I did. I had one friend who would play, we played D&D together. And if you know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, you can't really play it with two people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We made it work. We made up a lot of our own rules. It was totally unfair. Like we would just rampage through the sort of pre-written levels and like slaughter everything and collect all of their, all of their goods and stuff. And by the end we had, our characters were both literally gods. We had ascended to godhood (laughs) by the end of like the time that I, that I was playing with him. But it wasn't proper D&D. It wasn't like sure. if you watch Stranger Things, like the group gathers around and they have their little characters, right. which I am not convinced very many people ever had because the, the little figures are really not necessary to play the game. Right. So it wasn't like that. I wasn't into it to that extent, but I definitely had like kind of a grounding in how like how does it work? And it, it is really just sort of improv. It's an excuse to do improv with your pals. I started listening to the, the McElroy's D&D podcast, Adventure Zone. Um, and a couple of years ago, my family took a three week road trip. So we drove out to, we drove from Maine to Wyoming and back. And over the course of that trip, we listened to basically the entire first arc of the adventure zone, like balance, <laughs> which was like four seasons. It was like oh my gosh. 68 episodes or something. <laughs> it, be, it just sort of became the thing that we did because we did a lot of long drives on that trip. And it was just like, we just throw on, we do six adventure zones. And that was, you know, one, one city to the next. Oh, wow. So we turned through it that way, and then I kind of went looking for other, you know, I sampled a bunch of other ones. And the the ones that, that Taylor's involved with are always the ones that kind of grab me. Yeah. So you said that Taylor makes the internet a better place. What can the rest of us do to learn from his example? What can we do to make the internet a better place in a similar way to what he does? The reason I picked that category specifically, and as like as somebody who's really kind of day to day engaged with the discourse, like the news and the current events and the stuff that everybody's mad about, I love these podcasts because they are a like a blissful like respite from the discourse. <laughs> they deal with real world human stuff, but mm-hmm. not there's nothing kind of current eventsy about them. They don't really ever get into that. It's very 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 rarely somebody will make like a sort of very sub rosa reference to something going on in the real world, mm-hmm. but that's it. And I love it. So I'll go I'll go for I'll take the dog for a walk on the weekends and just like listen to 
one of these episodes and it's just like a it's a mental refresh it's a mental reset yeah so he helps he helps people get an escape from from the real world for a bit yeah that's and that's exactly what i'd say like the things i love the most on the internet are the things that people make because they're like because they love to make them yeah i feel like taylor just like loves doing these stories and like running games and stuff um it's it's infectious in a good way i love that well that was taylor moore who is on twitter at taylor.biz as a reminder to everyone listening, our supporters on Patreon have access to a fifth bonus follow from Rusty. To unlock that, just go to patreon.com slash follow Friday. Rusty, before we go, let's make sure listeners know how to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? Um, I'm basically only on Twitter, so uh, FKA underscore tabs on Twitter. I changed my my handle to that right before I relaunched tabs, uh-huh. so it was, it was inaccurate almost immediately. <laughs> And Today in Tabs is at todayintabs.com, right? Yes. I think if you don't put a www in front of it, it won't work. Okay. Because I haven't figured out how to make that work right. (laughs) And you can follow me on Twitter at heyheyesj. And please subscribe to the Follow Friday newsletter at followfriday.substack.com. If you like this episode, then check out the past Follow Friday interviews with Dave Pell from Next Draft, Ryan Broderick from Garbage Day, and Alexandra Petri from The Washington Post. Follow Friday is a production of lightningpod.fm. Our theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodi Hermawan, and our social media producer is Sydney Groden. Special thanks to our Big Fry Patreon backers, John and Justin. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. I'll see you next Friday.